the Shadowland podcast. We hope you learn why you're here. Here is your host, J. Michael. Welcome back to Illuminate, the Shadowlands podcast. Today we have with us Timothy Alleman. He co-authored a book called The Principled Legal Standard for the First Doctrinal Reformation of the Church. After having questions that were legal in nature, he realized that the traditional mainstream Christian doctrines are flawed. And much of what is claimed to be exegesis is actually eisegesis, which is adding to or putting your opinion into the text. He has constructed his own doctrines based on principled legal standards such as due process and judicial principles. His contention is that the English translations of the Bible are oftentimes mistranslated and in sometimes egregious ways that obscure the text and allow for very liberal interpretations of the text and that this is easily proved if someone simply knows the original languages such as Greek or Hebrew or by using documents that are oftentimes demonized by the church such as the Septuagint also known as the LXX and various other documents that are often referred to as apocryphal. His belief is that the church Denominations and seminaries have done what, in many cases, politicians have tried to do but have failed at, and that is cause people to fall away from right, true, and correct doctrine and theology. We now welcome to the podcast, Timothy Alleman. I first just want to start off with saying that you have a kindred spirit here, and that I, too, believe that the mainstream church is gone far off the reservation of what it was intended to do and intended to be and so i want to make sure you know that i'm i am tracking right with you on that and i want to welcome you and just ask you to start at the beginning start at your first you know introduction to the church to christianity and just just where it it started from oh well from a very early child uh you know my mother and and uh, you know how it is uh, you uh, you want to you, you believe the very basic things uh, about Christ you don't understand anything but you still you know what I mean just like a child mm -hmm. the way it was you want to believe what uh, your parents tell you yeah, I mean you, you do yeah and uh, I you know I I'm an inquisitive fellow. I just am. I, I suppose I'm a little bit odd. I'm, I'm always thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, going over to a community church that uh, kind of gives you a thought for the day. People singing in a choir and this and that. Uh, you're never going to learn a whole lot there if you want to study. Mm -hmm. It is. And so, uh, we heard about an exegetical church up in Pittsburgh. Uh, it was an uh, an offshoot uh, RBC. Check on that, but less than sure. Okay. And uh, yeah, back in and so um, they were exegeting, and they had their own system of law, and they had uh, and boy were they complicated. And 
uh, boy, we were thinking we was getting somewhere. And uh, what happened was, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with RBC, Heels Trial Doctor. Mm-hmm. Why? You know, the logical thing. Why isn't Satan in the lake of fire? Well, he appealed. Uh, he called him to question God's word. You know, and uh, uh, so what I was doing was, I decided that I would try and write a courtroom dialogue, a legal dialogue, the argument uh, God and Satan. And uh, there were also questions concerning men. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like, uh, say, well, you see, uh, if man didn't have a sin nature, he'd be a good fellow. Uh, wait a minute. So, well, it's the environment. So you got the environment versus heredity. I don't know if you remember the Three Stooges. Uh, environment versus heredity. Uh, so I, and I was wanting to write a courtroom dialogue. I mean, you see how there's a courtroom dialogue with Job. Right. And, yeah, and yeah, there's so, several throughout the Bible. Uh, you see the restoration of all things. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that is paradise restored. And so will man be good? See, that's the, the argument against heredity versus environment. If you restore a perfect environment, the idea is man will be good and he won't need God. See? Right, right. I see and that, yeah. so I was attempting to write a dialogue like that. Uh, but then what I decided to do was start from the beginning. And, uh, and so uh, the rebellion, uh, Satan, and I was having trouble here with uh, the appeal trap. Right. Since, since when would God judge a case partially? Leave something untried. Why would he do that? Right. Uh, he, he would wind up being bearing false witness. When he, when he makes a judgment, he's saying, this is the absolute truth. And uh, in order to grant an appeal, there'd have to be something untried, uh, an argument, a defense. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, um, you would think that the trial, criminal trial of Satan, God putting Satan on trial, and that the verdict would prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, with no doubt at all, that Satan is evil and what God said is true. And right. so you see, if the first trial concluded, it would prove that God was good. Right. And his word was true. Right. And so uh, what a lot of people don't realize is, is that when Satan uh, uh, disagreed with God, uh, he's calling God a liar, right, to begin with. Right. You see. Right. And so you can't use that as an appeal because that's part of the original crime. Right. And so then what I started doing was is I just stripped all of the doctrinal categories of all their content. Kept the titles, uh, purposes, uh, God, man, salvation, Satan, sin, and uh, trial. And uh, I filled in all of the contents, legal principles, what uh, must have occurred and what is occurred. and uh, that's what I did and I purposely avoided listening to anybody right. anybody I didn't look to see what this guy was saying or that guy was saying and uh, I realized real soon that uh, this exegetical church that I ascribed to really wasn't that they were basically engaging in liberal interpretation I see that all over the place mm-hmm. and so uh, but still, I didn't go and study the original, original uh, languages in order to figure out what the truth might be. 
I decided to stick to reconstructing things according to legal. So you have Satan disagreeing with God. You have two parties disagreeing. And both know what the truth is. Right. They are both willfully calling each other a liar. And so you see at best one is telling. Right. So you have God and Satan calling each other a liar. And so that is what was going on. And uh, um, so that question had to be answered. Which one was telling the truth? Now, here you have the Almighty being in the universe. And what does he say? He says, oh, worship me, also worship me. Of course, that's not accurate. Yeah. But you understand what I mean. No, I Satan, could, Satan could accuse God of pride. Because God did know prima facie acts of evil. There was nothing that God did that you could say was evil. So the only thing to do is to make an inward accusation. Why does he want to be? Why? Do you know what I mean? Right. And so uh, it's an inward motive. And uh, so that's what had to be discovered and settled. And that was actually for the incarnation. Yeah. That was the reason. Right. And yeah. so man was supposed to be uninvolved. Adam wasn't supposed to eat of the tree. Right. Uh, he would not have knowledge of good and evil. So the case could be totally settled because which would be the best time to inform man of the case after it's been settled proven and so then man can't call it in question uh, but you have the premature entry of, of, of Adam and uh, and so then you wound up having him have to deal with two cases and resolve both cases okay so that leads to a couple of obvious questions but we uh, hear that music, and so we know we have a commercial break coming up. So we are going to ask a couple of the hard questions on the other side and see uh, what, uh, what answers we get. Stay tuned. We're back on Illuminate, the Shadowlands podcast. This is Jade Michael, the Christian nomad, 
as can be found at Nomad Christian on Twitter and Facebook. You can get a hold of us either way. We are talking with Tim Alleman, who has created the it is the principled legal standard for the first doctrinal reformation of the church. Now, you had just recently were talking about, you know, the accusations and the things going back and forth with the court case between God and Satan. And you had said that because God had to deal with the has to deal with the early entry of Adam into it, now he has to deal with two. So the question is, if it's early entry, that kind of sounds like maybe it was unforeseen or unplanned for. So what do you do with the concept? Is that a part of the plan? Or is it something that that somehow there's an aspect that was unforeseen? Um, the God chose the best. So uh, a lot of times people tend to complicate it by thinking of God's foreknowledge. And, uh, and so they'll say, well, you see Adam entered, and so God knew he So then... What did God, maybe God planned, or what God knew he would. Well, you see, obviously, uh, God knew. But still, uh, God says today, uh, sin not. Right? Mm-hmm. Even though he knows you will, uh, it, uh, or might. Uh, and so, it's like this, real simple. Satan approached the woman in the garden because he wanted some sympathetic witness. Mm-hmm. You don't have the knowledge of good and evil. You cannot have an opinion or testify concerning God and Satan's work. See? Okay. Because you simply do not have that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so they would be uninvolved. And uh, Adam answering. You see how uh, it's, uh, it would be the best thing uh, for the case to be resolved before man uh, gets informed right. about it. Uh, so, Satan wanted to get sympathetic witnesses what he wanted to do. Uh, I suppose like a Democratic politician, he was figuring, if I can get her to eat, I get Adam. It would be a certain percentage, you see, that will prefer eat good. Right. And so, and the case not being settled, see, and the evidence not being in yet, uh, man uh, can choose either side. And uh, so um, it was the best course for Adam to not be involved. Right. That was the best course. So at the time, you take the best course, regardless of uh, what may happen later. Uh, you don't take a you know a course that ain't so good because you know, oh well something might, you know, something will happen you know. Um, I, I suppose we'll just put it this way: um, in the garden was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you had the tree of life. Mm-hmm. That, those two trees right there have everything necessary for a legal. Adam was kicked out of the garden because he had a conflict of interest. He wanted to get to that tree. He didn't want to die. Right. See? And, uh, and so they, they threw him out of the garden. And uh, now, you see, if you would have had an incarnation, you see... Uh, they were told that it'll be fruitful and multiply. And, and so uh, there could have been an incarnation and Christ, permissibly so, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
and uh, be told not to eat of the tree of life. Uh, you see, uh, to save his own life, you, see, you have conflict of interest. And so, Christ had to be tested. Christ was the representative, basically, before the incarnation, Christ was basically the CEO, uh, the chief executive officer. Uh, father, the father was basically the chairman of the board. That was his plan. Mm. You see, son executed, and executed by the Holy Spirit. See, and so that's that was his office. And so um, to settle the issue, here's the idea: if one falls, they all fall. The son says the father has a pure motive. The Holy Spirit says the father. Has, they all say they have a pure motive. You see, so if it does, you don't have to test all three. Just test one, right. you see, and if, and if he's found with an impure motive, the other two are obviously lying, and they're all falling, right? Right. And so if one falls, they all fall, because their testimony is all the same. And so only one need be tested. So the chief executive officer, that's the equivalent of what, you know. Right. So, yeah. uh, so that, that, was, that was what it was. Uh, oh, screensaver. I forgot about that one. So, um, Satan got mankind involved. And now, mankind can, you know, you see Adam and them could say things, and uh, there's no proof yet, you see, back then. There's no proof. They can say God's a liar. And God can't just slam them, because that question hasn't been answered yet. You right. see? And so, I'm here to say that God works by legal evidence. Uh, evidence decides the case, not the word of God, not his personal word. There has to be evidence, you see. And the reason why, there, you see, uh, the law is not of faith. There is no faith involved in law. None. Right, yeah. Because if the judge says, no, he's innocent, take my word for it. No, Satan's not going to take his word for it. And you see, and a lot of humanity isn't either. Uh, so, um, evidence decides the case, and that is with the same with regard to Satan, and it's the same with regard to mankind. Evidence, everything you say, think, or do, is recorded. You have there's a file on you, okay, all of us, and uh, that is kept, thought, wording, record, everything. Why a judge? Books. Right now, what about books if we? What about if we go down to an angle where somebody talks about, well, what about, like, the flood? Is That's a partial judgment, or is that a judgment of mankind? How does that fit into a concept of where we say, well, he hasn't judged yet, or maybe he's still open? Um, where, does that, where does that sort of thing fit in with the flood, or something to that effect? Well, I, uh, I have come to... First of all, in Genesis six, mm -hmm. all flesh all flesh became corrupted in Genesis six. You not hear one single mention of that before Genesis six. Uh, if you look at Genesis six, especially the LXX, mm -hmm. uh, you have the upthartos, the uh, the corrupting of the flesh. All flesh became corrupted. Uh, there was uh, an angelic intervention. Uh, it is obvious that there was uh, mm -hmm. those who want to deny that just because they don't want that to be the case. I don't know why. But, uh, there was an angelic uh, intervention. And uh, I suppose um, 
Well, actually, they, they went into a lot of things. They were engaged in selective breeding and uh, stuff like that. You know, I like how people uh, breed dogs right. uh, for dog fighting. You don't breed the docile one. Right. And uh, you can corrupt, you can cause, you can change nature's various things. Uh, but uh, the flood was to take those hybrid beings out is what it was. So it would be more of That's, a judgment uh, on the angels rather than a judgment on man? And Well, it said all flesh had become corrupted and uh, the hearts of all were on violent. Uh, they were violent and lawless. Uh, I, I would have to say that, um, well, it, it, it leads into another doctrine, uh, which is the principle, which is why well, I call it volitional maturity. Uh, a man grows into what he has grown into because he desires to be that way in terms of preference for good or evil and that when a man matures that is the way he is now uh, he's not trapped uh -huh. it's just that that's the way he is and that's the way he wants to be and he's not going to change his mind you see right and so just like a tree you got a tree there it is the pear tree there it is it's not going to change its growth. So that's the way men are. That's why you can't picture yourself knocking over banks. There's no way that you would do that. You see what I mean? There is no way that you would go out and do certain kinds. Of, it just There's just no way. And they say, are you free to? Well, you see, if I wanted to, yeah, but I'm never going to do it. That's volitional maturity, and people make that decision regarding good and evil. Right. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, that's... Uh... It's definitely, you know, when you get into this sort of thing, it's going to cross a lot of different doctrines that, you know, that all kind of need to intersect at a certain place. So, on the other side of this break, I want to ask you about the flaws in Christian doctrines and where you think they come from. But we're going to have to wait to the other side of this break for that. Okay. Stay tuned. And we're back on Illuminated, the Shadowlands podcast. I am the Christian Nomad, Jay Michael, and I am here with Tim Alleman. And we were just getting ready to discuss Christian doctrines. And in particular, why they're so, they can be so flawed. I mean, clearly there's a, going to be a flaw anytime human beings are involved in something. 
but there are just so many between the the different sects and the different denominations. There's just so many differences on every single thing. But even on some of the topics that people seem like they agree on, a lot of times when you read the Bible, you can't find any evidence for why they would possibly agree with that. And so, what do you think? What do you think it is about the doctrines that why they why do they get so far off? You know, is what can what, where where do we where does it start? I guess that it would get so far off. Uh, I would say uh, 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 a lot of people engage in uh, liberal interpretation. Uh, of the scriptures, and it reminds me of back in the 60s, speakeasy guy with a beanie cap, uh, probably smoking something strange, and uh, <laughs> the people uh, applaud by clicking their fingers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like uh, like hippie poetry. Right. And uh, I, I mean, you could you could uh, you could you like a Calvinist could say this: salvation is not of human will, but the will of God. I'll say, see, therefore there's no free will. Right. And uh, a guy with common sense would say, oh, the lemma, huh? What it means is salvation, mankind didn't think up the idea and the plan. Right. That God made the plan. Right. That's, it has nothing to do with the ability of chew. It just wasn't, didn't originate with man. Right. And so um, I will say this. Um, the Bible has been mistranslated and what I call vagaries. It, it is mistranslated on purpose, and it's over and over again. Uh, like this, uh, Ephesus, Ephime, Charismenos. All three translated generically as forgiveness, but only one means. Uh, Thanatos, Apothenesco, both translated as death. There are legal distinctions between those words, and Aunt Millie's never going to know it Bible. Uh, like uh, Ume Pistuo and Opistia, uh, they'll just say either faith or lack of faith, and uh, there are legal distinctions. Like uh, Ume Pisteo means, hey, I, I don't, I just simply don't believe. I haven't seen any evidence. I just don't believe. You know, Opistia, that is somebody who denies the truth. Even when shown evidence, right? Yeah, see? right. That's why you have like with Thomas. Thomas says, "Until I see, ume pustuo, I will not believe." Right. Until I see, he wanted evidence. Right. And then Christ, when he appeared, says, "Here I am. Handle me, feel me." He says, "I don't be have believing, to." Believe. Thomas, yeah. don't be opistus. Do not be opistias. Do not be unbelieving. Even even after you've seen evidence. So with the uh, difference between like uh, Kakos and Paniros. Kakos is always evil with mitigation, mitigating circumstances. Either you were ignorant at the time or due to inability. Uh, Paniros is intentional, totally avoidable evil. But in Bible, you will see evil generically. Zoe and Zao, right? You'll see them both translated as life. Right. And there are distinctions between those words, just like Thanatos. Thanatos is a judgment of death by a court which may be punitive or non-punitive, and it may be, in case of human courts, it may be due to corruption, bearing false witness, uh, you see. Right. Uh, so 
just like Romans 5.12, Thanatos. And uh, now they will interpret that as, oh, it's hell forever, Thanatos, oh, it's uh, eternal separation. Uh, no, it's a judgment of court by the court of death. And just like you go back to Genesis, Adam, uh, in the LXX there, you have uh, uh, Thanatos Apothenesco. You see, you have death twice. It isn't for double emphatic. It is judgment of the court of death, non-punitive, because it's the uh, Arthur's construction. No definite article in between. The second one is further clarifying the first word, which is judgment of death by a court, non-punitive. physical death. Said, ashes, ashes. Here to return. And so you have all these vagaries in the Bible, just like uh, a faces. Where Christ said, uh, Christ said, uh, I've come to claim liberty to the captives. Mm -hmm. Liberty, that's a faces. You go back to Isaiah 61, 1, in the LXX, you will see in the LXX a faces. That means the release, liberation from, release. Uh, yeah. And so, but in the New Testament, you have 17 times a faces appears, and they translate it all as forgive except one, which is, uh, to release the captive because preach forgiveness to slaves for being slaves that makes no sense so they had to translate as freedom to be dead. Right. but they mistranslated as forgiveness on purpose because they were into penal substitution even back then right. and that's why they did that uh, uh, so 17 times they'll say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the liberation from sin that's what it literally, that's what it literally means but they have it believe on the Lord Jesus Christ the forgiveness right and so because of penal substitution what they've done they've taken the dividing line between punitive offenses offenses and states and non-punitive offenses and states right. they have wiped out the dividing line and pushed them all into the punishment side mm. that's what they have done make notice even being bored with certain genetics wrath you see because the idea in order for Christ be punished in the place of all men instead of them you have to make all men appear as though they deserve to be punished so therefore you have to be overly severe right even to the point of well you can, they can't explain infants all what you see uh inherited sin adam federal heads either born in sin right and so i'll just ask him simple questions i'll say excuse me i want you to name or cite what an infant is responsible can be held accountable for that he deserves to be punished Go ahead and name it. And then they will not be able to name it. And so, just like when you get back to the Greek, it's either for all men or in the place of all men. If it's in the place of all men, the definition of all men is not most or some. Yeah, and so you have people born with mental defect. They, don't, they will never know their own name in this life. They will not even know where they are. They, they will not know mental defect their whole entire life. Totally unaccountable, right? So it can't be in the place of all men, you see. Right. So, the, so um, they can't answer these legal questions, right. is what it is. Uh, that's, and so they're all over the place with this. And because, uh, I mean, they could take Romans 6.23 and apply it to all men. Right. right. You know, they yeah. can do that. Uh, well, you see, uh, the, the wages of sin is death. And, uh, and they'll... they'll They'll say, we say that's talking about all men. Or, just like when you have in Romans chapter 2 and 3, where Paul is comparing Jews and Gentiles, that's all he's doing. 
and where it says, no one is righteous, no, not one. You see a Calvinist apply that to everybody. See? Right. But, and all kinds of people will apply that to everybody on earth. And what Paul, if you go back, he's quoting the Old Testament, go back and look, and he's pointing out a place where Jews were particularly sinful, committing avoidable crimes. See? Right. And he was saying, look, are the Jews any better off? No, look, here, here's what the Jews did. Here's what this certain Jew What Paul is saying in Romans 3 is, the Jews have no particular, they have no genetic disposition or to make that would make them more prone to righteousness. And Gentiles, there is no there is no distinction between the two with regard to the preference. The Jews do not have an advantage in terms of choosing righteousness. And so but they'll take that and apply that to all men is what they will do. Right. Well, and they just it's just liberal interpretation. Right. We're tracking right along with each other too, because this is one of the things that that I do get onto with people is some of some of these issues, especially Romans, I feel people do a good job of bastardizing Romans because they try to make each word, each sentence mean something in a grand scheme of their design rather than letting it be a sentence and a paragraph of its own that Paul actually said and meant when he said it. And You know what I find interesting? You know what I find hilarious? Like the, um, take an early book, you know, like the Galatians. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've heard people say, well, you see, Galatians, the reason what it means here in this one verse is, is because you see, if you look in Ephesians, and, you, and if you look at First John, you see this stuff that's going on, and that's what's behind all this stuff. And I go, well, they didn't get the book. Yeah, they didnn't get Ephesians. How do they, they know? got Galatians. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody just picks it up and reads it. How are they going to know all that? Exactly. It's like the little orphan Annie Dakota ring. Uh, right. You know, like that. Yeah. No, you're absolutely correct on that. Like I said, we, we're, we're tracking right along with each other on this. And so, you know, my mind goes a lot of different places. And so, again, on the next side of this break, I want to get into whether or not you do think that it's truly malicious. Because I have a friend that always says, don't attribute to maliciousness what you can attribute to ignorance. And so, on the other side, we're going to discuss whether or not it's malicious or is it just ignorance. Stay tuned, everyone. back on Illuminated, the Shadowlands podcast. We are with Tim Alleman, who was 
just speaking to us about uh, some of the mistranslations that we see in the Bible and that the vast majority of the mistranslation is vagary and causing things to just, just put a little bit of question mark where maybe there shouldn't necessarily be a question mark. My question that always comes to mind is, is it on purpose or is it is it truly, is there some ignorance going on? And the reason why I ask is because I was just interviewing somebody who's a translation, who's working on a translation of the Bible. And sometimes it just seems like, and I couldn't, they, we could, neither of us could figure out why no translation of the Bible goes back to the original languages and just starts over again. They always take whatever is the most recent update of the Bible and they just sort of go through and add things. Nobody ever just goes back to the old, the original language and says, okay, in Hebrew, what's it say? No, they'll take the English standard, they'll take this standard, and they'll, they'll compare the two, and they'll make their own version based upon what the English already says and what the Hebrew or the Greek already says. And I think that's why, like, the English standard version, while I think it's probably a really decent ver translation, there are some very glaring errors in it that I think would be taken out in of the equation if the person just looked at the original language and said, well, this is what it means in Hebrew, or this is what it means in Greek, and stop trying to play, you know, theologian and say, okay, how can I get all three of these different things to kind of fit together? So do you think it's intentional or could some of it be chalked up to ignorance? It's just not taking the time. To translate. Um, I would say a lot of people don't want to give up their security blanket. Or their, uh, a lot of people are just, you know, uh, I, I, I trust in God and all, you know, the details, this and that. You don't have the Aunt Millie type. Mm -hmm. Just sort of go to church on Sunday. I don't want to hear about all this stuff. And uh, but I would say, look at it like this: there are, um, you know, there, there are, you know, it's interesting. You have the good cop and the bad cop. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some heresies that are that sort of remind me. You remember them blue bug lights that would dab on the porch? Mm -hmm. uh, some heresies are so ridiculous. That anybody who is desiring the good wouldn't be attracted to them at all. Right. And so I call them like the, the bad cops. Uh, they play the bad cop part. So uh, the good cop, uh, uh, so you have the good cop and the bad cop, and you have some that are just designed to attract nutty people. But I would say um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of people who are just the. the I have all kinds of doctors that are just, I could go on, I don't know how long. Look at it like this. They tell people that no matter what you do, somebody else got whacked for it. Okay? And that yeah. you will never face justice. Right. And so, even if you, then tomorrow, well, you're not going to get whacked for somebody else. People like to hear that. Right. That's classic liberalism. 
you do whatever you want and somebody else pays. That's what that is. That's right. exactly what. Yeah, yeah. And uh, people have been taught to fear justice, that it's the most horrid nightmare that there is. Infinite wrath of God. Infinite, unbelievable, right? Right. And so I call it the doctrine of mimicry, where they are taught to basically mimic the criminal who does not want to face justice. Right. And uh, justice is portrayed as, well, the, uh, it's a horrid nightmare. It stands in the way of salvation. And so uh, you, you have God sort of like, uh, had, you know, like Obama does an end run around Congress. It's like God has to do an end run around justice. It's just standing in the way. Right. And so, but what's weird is, I say, excuse me, God is justice. So he's trying to find a way around himself. Uh, wouldn't that be it? Right. Yeah, no, uh, he there's is an internal contradiction in the concept of thinking God has to figure out a way to do something that, that he is uh, all the time. Yeah, so I, I think there's um, there's a lot of people. Uh, they are They call out on God they don't realize they don't realize what's going on well look at it like this I'm sorry how many gospels are there about the church age 1st John 227 1st uh, John 227 basically says if you give two guys the scriptures uh, or the names purposes what's supposed to be done god man salvation didn't. they should put them on two deserted islands and they should all come up with the same truth right they should and so there should there is a principle standard for uh interpreting the scripture like a god does not bear false witness he doesn't engage in pretend farces and i would say god has not Right. In a history. And starting with his own son. God did not punish his own son and and you. Right. So that you could go around and do whatever you want to. Right. And so, um, it, you know, I, you can get into legal problems like this. If the original judgment of the court was for you to hang, is that a correct judgment? Well, yeah. well do you see? Yeah. In order... For in order for somebody to be hung in your place, you have to be sentenced to the gallows. Right. Yourself. Right. So it's a legal conundrum, and they can't explain it. So, and, uh, so it's interesting about liberal interpretation, by the way. When you look in the Bible, and it shows, I will punish, I will pour my wrath out on those iniquity, and I will punish these guys, right? Yeah. Well, they go, no, you say, no, that's, that's such stuff. No, that's not. What it is is people suffering punishment and wrath. And uh, it ain't Christ. Right. See. So, I mean, I guess a way to kind of look at it could be that it's that in levels where at the lowest level, the people are just people are just people. The average person is just trying to get through with life and pay the bills and raise their kids. They're not really thinking about it deep enough to have any maliciousness. But maybe at the top, people who there maybe are, want to use are, it as a club to sort of keep people in line. There are those who, there are those. You'll have that. Uh, there are those. So I don't know what to say about that. But uh, you know what the thing is, uh, you, you can have people um, who are just uh, 
received. I think they know it. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting. It's like this, uh, the doctrine of mimicry. Uh, pride is uh, uh, you uh, pretending that you're in a higher state than you're actually in. Right. See? Right. And so when they are taught false doctrine, and uh, they are taught that, uh, oh, yeah, you're righteous now. Oh, yeah, you're enlightened now. And so it's like a classic liberal thinking light. And so they're pretending to be in a higher state. They're mimicking pride. They are on the web. And uh, that's, that's what happens. Uh, Vanity so, is easily the easiest sin to fall into. <laughs> uh, you know, it's... Uh, It's interesting. Uh, people tend to think that uh, all you got to do is believe, and that's it. You don't believe, and that's it. Uh, Everything will be fine because Christ is punished. And the thing you lose that idea. Right. And uh, that's, that sounds pretty inviting, doesn't it? Yeah. Well. It, it does. It does. So, uh, there's, there's all kinds of uh, false doctrines out there. Uh, but uh, here's the idea. If this were the year 1100, and you had the uh, Anselm theory, or the Anselm gospel back then. It was a gospel back then, right? Anselm? So do you think the church had the truth and they were connected to God? The answer was obviously not. Right. And so what's going on is these seminaries have been liberalized so long that um, people are not aware of it. And they don't seem to think about the gospel changing every three or four hundred years to a completely different Right, yeah, yeah. Sort of the whole, the early church, the Roman Empire, the First Reformation, the English Reformation, you know, it, it kind of it mutates every couple hundred years, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and with that, we are going to continue on the underside of this break. We're speaking with Tim Elman, principledlegalstandard.org. Principledlegalstandard.org. the Shadowlands podcast with Tim Alleman. We are getting ready to get a little bit deeper into some of the concepts that we feel are, you know, that are wrong that we've discussed about penal substitution, about this. And I just want to ask you to go into a little bit about what it is and why 
or how it's sort of become the dominant, the dominant uh, concept in all of Christendom. That pretty much the vast majority, if there's one thing they will agree on, it's that. Sure. Um, the uh, it's interesting about the uh, seminaries. It's fascinating. You basically have. Uh, let's put it this way. Penal substitution is basically the honor doctrine. Rebranded, repackaged, put under. Uh, the honor doctrine is basically man sinned, man offended God's honor. Uh, and so God, like, uh, like a duel, God must defend his honor. And so, but he loves man. And so he doesn't want to slay him out on the field of onion. And so he has a second stand in to fight the... And so Jesus Christ stands in man's place and goes out on the field of onion. And uh, the father slays the son. And so the duel has been fought and God's honor is defended. Or God's honor is uh, stored or is taken vengeance. And so... The price has been paid for man dishonoring God, and so therefore everything's all cool now. So that's the honor doctrine, basically a substitution doctrine. Right. And so they took that and repackaged it. And, uh, instead of talking about honor, fighting a duel, uh, they put judges. And so all have sinned, wrath for sin, but God loves man so much. He has a second standard, and he punishes son. And uh, so then everything's all right because it's been punished, and that is uh, it, it's the honor doctrine told in a different analogy, told with the courtroom. Uh, that's what it is. Uh, it's uh, people. It's easy to take. People like to hear it. It's easy to take. Somebody else got punished for everything. Even the sins you are... It, 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 I, I don't care what you do tomorrow. He, Christ was already punished for it. Right. So, it's, uh, it's set up for the liberal lifestyle. And uh, uh, You want to talk about people who have itching ears about what they want to hear. Oh, okay. Well, no matter what I do, somebody else got whacked. Right. And it, so... Well, the blood uh, atonement is kind of one of the most common... Things in all religions, pretty much everywhere. Even in a lot of, a lot of uh, atheists and heathen religions, they have kind of a, a blood atonement sort of at some point, in or at least they've toyed with it, if if they exist for any length of time. How do you get get somebody who says, well, look at the Old Testament. There's talking about killing animals and blood and sort of thing, that they sort of say, well, is it isn't. It seems like that that's a proper concept that, well, you know, there's an atonement, there's a blood atonement, Christ is that atonement, but, you know, maybe they, maybe they know enough to quote Hebrews or something and say, but that one, once and for all, sort of thing. Okay, well, I would say halasmos uh, does not mean atonement any more than it means scapegoat. It doesn't. If you were to actually look back at what's going on there, uh, you will find that there are no offerings. Uh, you have the criminal code of criminal offense completely. There's no offering for any of those. 
That's why you see, like, you're reading the, the Hebrew uh, for sins and ignorance. Right. Basically. And so there is no offer for uh, crime. Well, crime. Piling a code, knocking over banks. There is nothing. That's why you won't find any instructions. Uh, it's, if somebody commits murder and uh, they're guilty of a premeditated homicide, uh, they are stoned to death. There is no offer. Right. And so where you have sins of ignorance and things like that. And so... Uh, but basically what it is, is it's this, because Adam gained the knowledge of good and evil subject to legal scrutiny. He had testimony he gives, therefore he was subject to uh, cross-examination. So death is you test. That's what it is. So you have Christ, the incarnation, those animals, uh, the blood, and it has to do with examining the animal, finding that they are without effect, but, and Christ was tested. You see, somebody has a conflict of interest. Uh, he that would save his own life shall lose it. He has a conflict of interest. He that would lose his life shall save it. He's without conflict. Death, Job, death was you. See, as uh, uh, examine Job. Look at the, the uh, tribulation period. The hour of trial, where all souls are tested. Uh, that's what it is. They are tested. Mass testing. Everybody is tested. Uh, they don't have to go through Job like he's but you see how when you go to you get age, you go to the end of your life. That, uh, you know, um, man's about to die and be himself. And so people are tested. Uh, but, you know, somebody who's openly evil and all that, uh, uh, and this is before the angels of God, they don't need to be tested. They don't need to be right. uh, really. Uh, people who are just open. So um, it's like this. If you want to adopt children, you have to pass a background check. Mm -hmm. See? You have to pass a background check. And that's what Christ did. Background check. Concerning humanity. So that's alongside the settling case, uh, jelly conflict, with Satan is calling God a liar, and accusing God of anything. So that case was settled, but also, in order to adopt, you have to pass a background check. Jesus Christ passed a background check. And so he was given legal powers of attorney, medical powers of attorney, and financial powers of attorney. Because it would be a little bit of a conflict of interest to leave it up to Hitler to make the decision whether he will live again or not. Right. It would be a little bit the saint you ever seen. It would still be the appearance of conflict of interest for Paul to decide what mansion he or what place he's given. You see, and so uh, you have medical power of attorney. See, uh, he makes decisions with regard to and who gets what, and uh, uh, all judgments and, and the son. So he see, so you have all that, and so you see when you're adopting a child, you see, get appointed guardian, so make medical, and uh, that's what's. Been Jesus Christ. So how do you see sort of your eschatology or maybe black not eschatology not as important as you know the the judgment seat the time before the eternal state or do you view an eternal state as being in the future? Uh the tribulation period is basically uh the winding things up. Mhm. Mm uh, what happens uh, by the time of the tribulation period, just like right now, you have 
if you say this, you shall not work. Because there, we're getting into that. Yeah. You, yeah. You, if you profess this, you shall not work. It will go on to, if you profess this, you shall not live. And uh, that, will be, that will be the positions held by government. That's why it says uh, when you betray, the father and son betray, they'll hand you over to be killed. You have thanatos, uh, which is a judgment of death by a court, legal government. So hand you over to betray, that'll be government. So the world gets so bad that uh, to be a Christian and open your mouth, uh, you're going to die. And so the idea is to wipe out all Christians. And uh, God has to wrap it up. And so, but he doesn't want people to go untested. And so that's where you have all this testing. First, the testing of the church. And if you notice in the latter part of the trip, it's all the testing of the unbelief. Just like where uh, they, they seek death, but cannot find it, does not come. Yet they won't repent. They still curse God. Right. They still won't repent of it. And so they are tested. Because somebody could go like this. I don't even follow the Antichrist because uh, I was threatened. That was a for my life. See, that's a conflict of interest. Right. And so uh, that's an immature position. So, like I said, with maturity. Uh, so everybody's tested. And, uh, and so you have the restoration of all things. You have the judgment second there. Uh, restoration of all things. Uh, you know, uh, so then you have the uh, millennial period. Uh, you have uh, millennial. And then, so do you, when it comes to, say... Are you a annihilationist? Do you believe a sort of every everyone, you know, sort of is is it to, you know, how to, that sort of thing? What do you see? What do you see happening? Like you know, I usually I, I do have a little remark to say, which is the uh, the uh, evil people are held in prison and they are actually basically converted to evidence. So they're there forever. Want to go find out if Hitler's evil 10,000 years from now? Go down and talk to him. Right, right. No, I, yeah, I agree with that. I'm just curious about, you know, again, the does hell go on forever? Does the fire go on forever? Or are people consumed? Speaking with Tim Elman, principal at LegalStandard.org. Principal at LegalStandard.org. And we're back here on Illuminated, the Shadowlands podcast. I am Jay Michael, also known as the Christian Nomad. Uh, we have Tim Elman here, and we are going over just every every 
type of doctrine and principle you can have. He has written the book, The Principled Legal Standard for the First Doctrinal Reformation of the Church. And currently, we before the break, we were getting into sort of hell and the the eternal judgment and his view upon that sort of thing. So tell me, you know, again, is hell forever? Is the fire part of hell forever? Is it does it consume the sin only? Is it annihilation? What is your opinion on that? Well, Hades uh, basically a mm-hmm. picture it as a cell block. Right. Earth right now. Yep. Reading the Bible, Hades is transferred. Because God built the prison, and it doesn't get all rusty. It's still good. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and so uh, the whole prison section is transferred out of the earth and uh, put in the midst of the so it's surrounded by basically a firewall and uh, it's a maximum security prison uh, they don't need uh, they don't need exercise you know they don't change your clothes and this. It's, I believe basically that they are forever in genuflection you know where every knee shall bow that they are forever. And, you know, I was reading a, a book, uh, the apocryphal book, which I believe sh- shouldn't be one, uh, uh, that uh, it was talking about the floor of the uh, place with the evil kept. And it was, the name of it was uh, that rock you used to test metal. See, so you rub metal on it. So, so... It's interesting. I just have a picture in my head of somebody hitting the floor and skidding and genuflect. <laughs> and uh, right. the record of the kind of person they are. So I believe that their judgment is ever before them. Their decree is ever before them. And uh, I believe that everybody like that is judged who loves evil. And uh, their judgment is there. And uh, everybody witnesses their judgment. Uh, they, and they're not able to be evil. That's what really. Hitler won't be able to convince anybody that he's a master guy. Uh, and so you won't be able to deceive anybody else. You and uh, uh, do anything, do violence to anybody else. So they are held there in a prison, and they do not need uh, exercise or anything like that. And so it doesn't bother them to be in a prone position. These will start hurting. And right. that's what it is. It's a maximum security prison. And it's also because I call it like they are converted into evidence. They're like in an evidence locker. Because the idea would be this. What happens, you know, these people talk about annihilation. Uh, suppose people got annihilated. Boom. Well, how do you know he wouldn't uh, have repented and been a good guy tomorrow? Do you right. know? Yeah. No, I understand. He's not around. Right. Exactly. He's not around to ask. And right. so they, they stay that way. And so... The world typically has a masochistic. They portray God as like a sadomasochist. Like, oh, they're in there and they're burning and they're and it's an excruciating pain. Oh, really? Look at the Book of Revelation. You got a guy standing, an angel standing in the center of the sun. Uh, yeah, there's the three guys with the word scrabble: Meshach, uh, uh, you know, Abednego, yeah. those in the fiery furnace. Well, they're standing there. Right. And so they picture. Uh, they, they portray God as uh, having people, I don't know what, swimming in lava and feeling pain and burning. Now, I would say 
it's like this, you know, like a body. You know, if cells are not destroyed, you basically don't have pain. If your cells aren't destroyed. Uh, the way I see it is, you, know, you see, you start feeling, start feeling pain when cells are destroyed. Right. And uh, until cells are destroyed, you just feel heat. And I would say, hey, yeah, sure, it ain't comfortable there. But basically, they are in prison. Their judgment is never before them. They cannot deceive themselves or others ever again. Their judgment is ever before them, the kind of person they are. They can't pretend to be in a higher estate. And they are held there forever. And so how do you uh, see... That is what it is. And so how do you see uh, the salvation aspect? So you say just belief and, you know, then no matter what you do, tomorrow is covered because of the idea of penal substitution. So... If you're not for that, how how does salvation work? What is the the mechanism or the the transference from sinful okay. nature to uh, saved? Okay, I would say um, first one should identify what salvation is from. Mm -hmm. It's not from bank robbery, rape, and murder. See, you don't need deliverance. You know what Paul says. So the very thing I want to do, I do not. The very thing I hate, I wind up doing. Right. Who will save me from this body of sin and death? How's about deliverance from this body of sin and death? But uh, in the meantime, mortify. You see, uh, render it as inoperable. Right. And uh, how's about uh, deliverance from the grave after you physically die? You see. And uh, how's about deliverance from uh, ignorance? Uh, deliverance from you see, Satan invented all evil. He holds the copyright of all evil. Uh, nobody has improved on his evil. Nobody has invented evil that he did not originally. And so, just like Satan's the father of all lies, he holds the copyright. He built the lie machine. It's his. And nobody has improved on it or added any accessory. God, the original, all righteousness, he has the copyright. So when you're doing that, you're doing his ways. You're borrowing a machine to operate. See? Right. And so nobody has improved on righteousness. So you have the, God has the copyright of righteousness. Satan has the copyright of evil. And so you're either, you're, that's why you have following Satan's ways. If you're not doing that which is good, Satan invented it. That's why it's named after, after Satan and so they need to identify, it's good to identify what be delivered from. See, ignorance, the uh, domination of the, just the natural corrupt instincts, which actually occurred in Genesis 6. Uh, that's uh, like Romans 7, who will deliver me? Uh, for I do the very thing I, the very thing I don't want to do, I wind up doing. Uh, that kind of thing. Um, and so, um, uh, and, you know, deliverance uh, from death. And so, uh, typically people who believe in penal substitution, uh, they'll make it deliverance from the penalty. Right. And so for it's you, it's more about it's more about the not having to face a death, and particularly the second death is is the situation that... Yes, is, uh, you know, that's Thanatos again, the second. Uh, that, that's, that's, once again, it's Thanatos. It's you see, which is a legal judgment of the court of separation, mm -hmm. and it is it is death, and uh, it is uh, punitive. 
it is uh, punitive. I mean, it is it is it is a punishment to be held in a cell, not having your freedom. Right. You know, that's interesting. That that goes back to that word, uh, just like that one word, um, uh, aphasis. Uh, the part where it says, you'll see in the English translation, they never have forgiveness. Uh, uh, actually, it, what it means is they never have. Hmm. See. Right. That's yeah, and so they never have liberty. Um, I I had a. Well, you know, uh, I would say that. Um, man needs to be delivered that which he needs help you see uh you see uh the israelites uh shedding innocent blood uh robbing banks doing this stuff god says stop it he doesn't say i'm going to deliver you from you see uh worshiping idols stop it stop it stop worshiping idols you know stop raping pillaging uh that's because you can do it all by yourself and that's why there's all kinds of people who have never committed rape or and so you don't need deliverance from those criminal acts. And so Jesus Christ did, um, that's not part of salvation. And so that which need not that which you need not be delivered from is not part of the deliverance itself. And right. so you're not delivered. And uh, the other thing that people generally try to jump on is <clears throat> oh, so you're saving yourself because you're being punished. You're saving yourself because you're paying the price yourself. So then you see. And I said no. Uh, you can take a you can take a guy that prefers evil and you can punish him and guess what you have the guy that prefers evil that's what punished right that's it doesn't make him good doesn't make him savable yeah. and so uh, the salvation is not through the it's man wanted to try and deliver himself try all you want to you will not be able to right and so that's because you you, you cannot deliver yourself from this body you cannot give your, bring yourself back to life you cannot you cannot and so uh it's the things that man needs help with that man cannot do that uh god does it, so it's interesting thing, god says don't do it it's interesting because it's almost a simplification of it like the way you you see it is is markedly more simple than what most people make it with it being the penal substitution it's it becomes a lot more convoluted when it's that rather than whereas you see it more as what you need to be saved from is death the second death because the first death you have to because you're you're sinful you know we're we're all going to die the first time you know but what we well, need to be, um, what we're being saved from is essentially the second. 
So it just it makes it a lot more simple well, than being. Um, I would say uh, the. Uh, well, I suppose I I, I could this way. Uh, legal principles and all of that, and reality is really simple. Uh, where you have hairs, where you have complications, rational. I mean, I could talk to somebody, and they'll and they'll talk about. Well, you see, uh, Christ suffered the wrath of God in the place of. Say, well, uh, go ahead and explain to me how this wrath. Is. You see, how do you verify legally? Uh, that Christ was punished for this one act in 1973 by a guy named Bill. Go ahead. How can, how can Satan tell? How can he record that justice has been satisfied? How can it? How do you punish each individual sin? Right. You see, how do you do that? And then it becomes basically symbolic justice. Well, you see the penalty of death, and therefore, and then they'll use, I call it theological, theological algebra. Well, you see, the price of sins is infinite, and his suffering was infinite, so they balanced out and both. Right. Yeah, like that. And so, that's absolute justice. But I've had him change over to, well, actually, it's about spiritual. Jesus Christ uh, suffered uh, spiritual death in the place of all men. And I'll say, excuse me, you say that men are born in a state of spiritual death, so how can he, how can he die and have, have the spiritual death in, in man's place? Right. You see? Uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 3 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 3. First and foremost, you need to remember Jesus Christ, Apothenesco. That's exclusively, Apothenesco is exclusively all. Right. He died, physically died for us. You see? And so, uh, uh, you don't have Thanatos, because once again, it has to do with Satan called the question God's word, God's motive, all this stuff. And so then there's no evidence. And so we need to find evidence to settle the case. And uh, so then you have Jesus Christ, the incarnation, being tested. And in order to adopt man, see, same thing, background check. You have to pass, and you had to be a decent person. Right? And so that's an understatement. But, uh, yeah. uh, and so um, that is what it is. And so that is why you have the adoption, uh, why all judgments are handed to the Son. He has been made the guardian of our souls. He has been given guardianship, you know, medical, legal, financial, and all that. And that's what that's all about. And God's principles are very simple, measure for measure. And so you see how uh, the measure that you, how you deal with other people, that's the standard that's going to be used against you. Right. Because if it's good enough for others, it's good enough for you. And you see, and also where you have, you know, unbelievers, evil deeds, whatever, I shall recompense measure for measure. That's perfect. And so a lot of them say, well, how can justice be satisfied? Well, you see, because uh, even if you do commit wrongdoing, it's measure for measure. It's not infinite suffering. Right. And uh, they take that from the Catholics, suffering, because Catholics, you know, back during that time, it wasn't the taking of it. It's the amount of pain you caused taking and right. so this is where you have all that drawing and quartering and suffering. And you, that's why the Catholics use the word passion, passio, having the suffering, the passion of the Lord. So therefore, his suffering. And so then you have Catholics, you know, flogging themselves because of suffering. And then they have the sacred heart of Mary, suffering. It's surrounded by thorns, getting pricked by the evil of sinners. 
and men's sins prick her heart and she's suffering for you and so she's sort of like a co-redemption and they're into the idea of suffering uh god's standard of law is take a life you lose your life it wasn't take a life you create on the amount of suffering uh to satisfy justice so it's not the manner in which you die and it's not the suffering it's just perfect equity and it's not eternal suffering or eternal crying or eternal whatever it's it is uh the reason why they're kept in the lake because once again we get back to volitional maturity satan is the way he is satan is the way he is that's the way he is he ain't going to change you said oh could he well he ain't he don't want to and he, he isn't ever going to want to change he's he's the way he wants to be that's the way he is and it's the same thing with the righteous right you got like could you picture yourself being a, a serial killer all okay i'm gonna go out and kill everyone no you see People grow into the way they are, and that's the way they want to be, that's the way they are, and that's the way it is. And so um, that's what the lake prison is for. That's what it is for. Because they, just like Democrats out on the street, you know, they would be doing usurping, you know, just keep doing the same thing over and over again forever. And so to protect others, uh, they're kept in the prison. And, and they are basically evidence. So all, God's judgment so all of this is uh does most or all this or at least most of it is you go over in your book of how you do yes, this uh, uh semi-exhaustive it's uh like i don't know it's over 700 pages wow that's pretty decent that's a pretty decent size so yeah just uh if you want to just give a pitch real quick about your book about what what people will get from your book and how how it'll assist them as they continue their walk it's the principal legal standard for the first genuine doctrine of reformation of the church uh, available on Amazon search uh, for it online um, uh, what people say when they read the book is they have to think it's not complicated just like I didn't use theological technical here infralapsarianism, superlapsarianism, anthropomorphism and all these technical terms it is written in simple language but you have to think Absolutely. And this has been our discussion with Tim Alleman, author of the book, The Principled Legal Standard for the First Genuine Doctrinal Reformation of the Church. You can get all of his information and books on Amazon.com. Find out more by visiting him at theprincipledlegalstandard.org. This is the Christian Nomad for Illuminate the Shadowland podcast. Thank you for joining us. Come again.